This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Many of us do not understand the problem that men, men have. It's not about terrorism. It's not about who's in the White House. Our problem is not about cancer and disease. Our problem is not to be concerned about anything else. The problem that man faces is the wrath of God. And the only way that we could be saved from the wrath of God is through Jesus Christ. Because someday, you know, survey says 10 out of 10 people will what? Die. It's easy to get so wrapped up in the problems of this world that we forget that they're not actually problems at all. Pastor Eddie reminds us today that as Christians, we should know that the only thing to be concerned with is the wrath of God. The fact is, in death, we will be held accountable to God. We'll be judged, and only through the grace of Jesus can we be saved. Focus on the importance of Christ, and all else will seem small. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie as he continues his message. If man does not come to the knowledge, if we do not come to the full understanding, the fact that an unrighteous sinner cannot and will not, no sinner can appreciate or will appreciate grace and cannot accept salvation outside of Christ and the grace of Christ. Because for you to be saved, you need to know what you're saved from. What am I saved from? I'm saved from the wrath of God. And the wrath of God's going to lead the unrighteous, the ungodly, into eternal damnation. And so that's why when we know that we deserve the wrath of God, then you appreciate grace. Understand this. Understand that we deserve the wrath of God. Now you may say, you know what, God is love. And, what, you know, he is God of love. He is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. He's a God who judges. And that is the problem with man today. Many of us do not understand the problem that men men have. It's not about terrorism. It's not about who's in the White House. Our problem is not about cancer and disease. Our problem is not to be concerned about anything else. The problem that man faces is the wrath of God. And the only way that we could be saved from the wrath of God is through Jesus Christ. Because someday, you know, survey says 10 out of 10 people will what? Die. What does that tell you? We will all die. And whether it is, whatever it is that you die from, you still have to answer and stand before God. And so the question is, will you stand, under, will you stand before God righteous? And the only way one can stand before God righteous, if the blood of his son is on you, that is it. 
Because it's not by your righteousness. We're saved. We put on his righteousness. And so that is the greatest problem man faces today. It's not what's on earth. So why the wrath? Why does God have to give us wrath? Isn't he a righteous and just God? Well, he is a righteous and just God. That's why there is a wrath of God. How righteous and uh, how righteous can a judge be if in court a man is found guilty of murder? Evidence to prove that he is a murderer beyond the shadow of a doubt. All the evidence, and he himself will be guilty. Say yes, I'm guilty. What kind of judge would he be if he doesn't serve time in jail? What kind of righteous judge would that be? Oh, you killed a woman and you killed a child. Oh, it's okay. You know, we're going to let you go. Grace. What kind of judge would that be? What kind of God do we serve that he's not righteous? He is righteous. And because he's righteous, he has to judge the unrighteousness of man, ungodliness of man. And so he is a just God. Even the wrath of God. I personally see in the wrath of God, I find the grace of God. We turn to the last book of the Bible in Revelation. From chapter 6 to 19, we see God's wrath poured upon those who reject them. Not the church. You and I who believe that Jesus Christ will not be here during the great tribulation. During the seven years from chapter 6 to 19. When I first read the book of Revelation, I, 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 was fear, I feared it. I, even as a Christian, I didn't want to read it. Because I thought I was going to go through all that. But nonetheless, now I know that that's not for the church. We're not appointed to wrath. But when you read chapter 6 through 19, you see uh, the the loosing of the seven seals. You see the pouring out of the bowls, the trumpets. And then you think to yourself, really, God, is all that necessary? It's still the grace of God. Because we didn't need chapter 6 through 19. We just need one verse if God didn't have grace. Just like his word created, he spoke, light be, light was. He could have spoke, he could have ended man, the world, with just one word. But when you see chapter 6 through 19, it says, wow, God has patience. Why couldn't he just do it one, get rid of them all together? Grace of God. Because God is allowing during that great tribulation that, that those would come to know him. It's hard now, believe it or not. It's hard to serve God and worship God now. People repent. Can you imagine during a great tribulation? It's going to be even harder. But I see God's grace. It's all God's grace. And so we see God's grace. The only way we know it is when you understand that we deserve the wrath of God. Now, what do you think about grace? You deserve eternal damnation. You deserve to be put on the cross. But Jesus went on the cross for you. The wrath of God should be poured out on you and I. But it was poured on, the wrath of God was poured on his son, Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus cried out, Father, why have thou forsaken me? They never been separated. Father, son, never, ever, 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 ever been separated. I, I would say they never been separated in history, but they're not subject to time like we are. But he was separated because of sin, and he did that for us. So now the grace is revealed, but we need to understand the wrath of God. 
And so God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. He hates sin, but he loves the sinner. His heart is that all would come to repentance. So he says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We are all guilty of ungodliness and unrighteousness. There's a difference between the two. Ungodliness is sin directed towards God. That's ungodliness. Unrighteousness is sin directed towards fellow man. Ungodliness, unrighteousness. When the Lord gave them the commandments on one tablet, the first four commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me, thou shalt not create an image, thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain, thou shalt observe the Sabbath on one tablet, it was laws against God, ungodliness. The other tablets, the remaining six, has to deal with fellow man. If I love you, I will not lie to you. If I love you, I wouldn't want to murder you. So ungodliness and righteousness. And so... This has been revealed, and this is the reason why Jesus, when he tried to trap Jesus with a question, out of all 613 commandments, the scholars, the lawyers, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, they all said, Jesus, okay, we got one for you. Which is the greatest commandment? Jesus, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you love God, it's hard for you to break those first four commandments. It's easy. If you love your neighbor... It's hard for you to break those commandments against your neighbor. Godliness and righteousness. And so, they man, because of ungodliness and unrighteousness, tries to suppress the truth here. Suppress, to hold down, to hinder, to keep back. Men know, knew about God. All, every man, every woman, every boy and girl that's created knows that there is a God. And the truth has been revealed deep within us. No one has to tell you about God. You will know deep inside yourself that there is a God. There has to be a God. And so now, what is this truth that they try to suppress? Verse 19 tells us, because what may be known of God is manifested in them. For God has shown it to them. God has revealed it. There's a well-known atheist by the name of Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins was interviewed by uh, the actor Ben Stein. In his film, documentary, I recommend you have it. I bought it. It's a must-keeper. It's called Expelled. And in that documentary, he shows how professors in universities are being expelled from the universities because they have exhausted All that they have to try to prove evolution is real. So they're questioning, why can we now just look at intelligent design? They've been expelled. But at the very end, you you can watch it on Netflix. I I believe it's there. Ben Stein questions and asks him, does he believe in God? Or where do we come from? He kept questioning. Just can you imagine an actor? An actor is making this man stumble. An actor, a professor, a well-known uh, uh, atheist who wrote books, who has a following. Can I tell you the reason why he made him stumble? Because it's not the wisdom of man, it's the wisdom of God. 
But he asked him, where, where did all this originate? It had to come from somewhere. And this is what uh, Richard Dawkins said. He says, one might find a signature of some sort of a designer. Wait a minute. Um, hello? <laughs> just to show you that even in the heart of every atheist, well, an atheist does not exist if there wasn't a God. <laughs> it's not that so much that atheists don't believe in God, it's that God don't believe in atheists. <laughs> but here we see that Richard Dog, what he's doing, he's suppressing the truth. He knows there's intelligent design. He knows, you know, nothing comes out of no- nothing. We all came from somewhere. While the scientists are trying to disprove of God, say we came off the back of crystals or some cosmic soup. Where did the cosmic soup come from? And it just keeps going and going. Every human being knows that something about God or of God and because God has manifested it in them and has shown it to them. How has he done that? Continue verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They are without excuse. In theology, it's called natural revelation. Very simple. Things are being revealed to us by looking at nature all together. Natural revelation is revelation of God in nature. And we look at all the nature and says, there has to be a God. Isaac Newton believed in God. And to prove that, he, that there is a God to his colleagues, what he did was he removed all the furniture from his living room. And in his living room, he built a solar system. And after he built this solar system in his room, he invited his friends over who didn't believe in God. They come in and they see this solar system just been built in his living room, beautiful. And they were amazed. And they said, how did this get here? Who put this here? And you know what Isaac Newton said? It just happened. (laughs) He proved to them that nothing comes out of nothing. All the creation testify of God's existence. But man know deep inside their hearts, deep within their beings, there is something more than what meets the eye. There is something greater than we are. And we did not just come happen by chance. It doesn't make sense theologically, and I never majored in this. <laughs> I'm not a professor of university. Let me tell you, stick with your Bible is the greatest textbook. It's the wisdom of God, and God gives you the wisdom and logic. The things, the chances of life to happen, to have life in this world, you know what the chances are? For example, very simple illustration. I give you 10 pennies. 10 pennies, I number each penny, 1 through 10. Each penny, penny 1, penny 2, penny 3, 4, 10. Now you take all those pennies and put it in your pocket, shake it all up without looking, Put your hand in your pocket. What are the chances of you taking out number one, penny number one? One in ten. Okay, leave penny number one there. What are the chances of you pulling out the next one to be number two? One in a hundred. What are the chances of you pulling out in your pocket without looking, penny number three? You see, all the way to ten is impossible. But to have everything to 
lineup that it has to create intelligent life here. Oxygen, air, the sun, if it was an inch closer, I don't know if it's an inch or a mile, who cares, but closer, we'll burn. If it was an inch or a mile further, we will freeze. The magnetic field, everything. It didn't just happen. So we all know deep within us, whether we sense it within our being or looking around and look at all of nature and look into the sky, we know that there is a God. The psalmist writes in Psalms chapter 19, verses 1 to 3, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows handiwork. Day unto day utter speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. You know, this is one you have to look. I wish I could put it here because of time I can't. Go to YouTube and, and, and find um, Luis Giglio. Luis Giglio, what he did was he took sounds of all, everything from a whale, from the sound of a nebula in, 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 in up in, this heaven, in the skies, and the beating and put them together. It just put just natural, no studio work or nothing. And what it did, it formed a beautiful orchestra. A man took the cricket, the sound, the recording of a cricket, and you could Google this too. And he recorded the cricket, and he slowed the pace of that sound. That's the only thing he did. He slowed it so slow that it sounds like a million-voice choir. Google it. All the creation testifies of God. They have no problem to prove there's a God. But why is man suppressing the truth when God has showed it and revealed it to us? There is a God. Don't listen to the professors. You know, regardless of what they put on National Geographic's Discovery Channel, History Channel, you know, they're telling you about your God, and then they read the Bible just to go against it. But how can an unsaved individual or a man interpret the things that are in spirit if they don't have the Holy Spirit in their heart? Job writes, chapter 12, verse 7 through 9, says, But now ask the beasts, and they will teach you. And the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. And the fish of the sea will explain to you. Who among all these does, all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Now, I don't want you to start talking to birds, talking to the earth. But you understand, they know, they all testify of God. Man wants to suppress the truth. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist. But I cannot conceive how he could look up into the heavens and say there is no God. There is a God. Even God's invisible attributes that Paul writes here are clearly seen. How are they seen? How can one see attributes that are invisible? If I am a being that God created, I can learn something about God by looking at myself. I see myself as one who can love, one who cares, one who can reason, one who is spiritual. So I conclude that God loves, God cares, and God reasons, and he's spiritual. Of course, beyond, beyond the way I do. He loves more than I do. He cares more than I do. 
So we can conclude that there is a God. So we can see the attributes of God in nature. Example, our conscious and our mind. In our conscience and mind, we can tell us that there is a God. And God has given a general uh, revelation and a natural revelation that is clear to both creation, to man, within his heart, and within his conscience. There is in every man a knowledge that there is a God. And so Paul says, this man and every man are left without excuse. Every man is left without excuse. So the age-old question, oh, what about uh, the man in the jungle? I always get that. When I used to share the gospel, the people in New York City, in Harlem, they worry about guy in Africa, or not Africa, in the jungle. So listen, I'm sharing about salvation to you. Why are you worried about the guy in the jungle? And the question was, if a man was in the jungle, he lived all his life, never heard about Jesus, never heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he'd take him to this verse. They left without excuse. They got trees where they are, don't they? They know what an animal is, right? They can look in the mirror, look and see the reflection in the, in the still waters. Uh, they, they know that they exist. And that's enough. And that's sufficient according to God. And you may say, well, if you didn't say the sinner's prayer, now you're getting, real, now you're getting legalistic. Now you're getting religion. Now you're getting into works. Because God's going to judge them based on what they know. And if God created the heavens for certain people to understand and acknowledge him and glorify him, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure the guy in the jungle who looks at creation can actually appreciate and acknowledge God more than those that have their Bible. So they're left without excuse. And if God is a righteous judge, he will judge them fairly. Well, this is what you know. This is what you don't know. You knew about this, but you refused. So don't worry about the man in the jungle. You know, people would ask me, Pastor, what about, I have a relative who's, um, you know, 30 years old, but he has the mind of a two-month-old. Praise the Lord. They're going to heaven. Because if a child is not, uh, not judged because of the base, uh, they're not at the age of accountability, they don't know right from wrong. All children go to heaven. I know some of your parents may not agree with your kids. That's just kidding. All kids go to heaven. They're at the age of accountability. When they, when they get to the age of accountability, when they know right from wrong, when they have to make a decision, that is the reason why we don't baptize babies. They need to make that decision for themselves. You baptize a baby, what if they grow up to be an atheist? What if they grow up to be a Satanist priest? So... God knows. And let God worry about them. You worry about your own salvation. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This incredible truth applies to us even today. We didn't do anything to warrant God's acceptance and love of us. He saw us while we were still sinners and loved us despite that. Would you like to know more about what that means for you? Please give us a call at 570-296-7367. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family you can be a part of. The believers you'll encounter there will help you grow in your faith and offer you support in every situation. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania area, 
We'd love to have you come join us here in person at Calvary Chapel of Milford. For service times and more information, visit runningtheraceradio.com. If you'd like to listen to more messages from Running the Race, Tracy has more information on how. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor Eddie, go to runningtheraceradio.com and then click on the radio page. There you'll find today's message and many more. Thanks, Tracy. Join us next time for the continuing verse-by-verse study of Romans with Pastor Eddie Pinero right here on Running the Race. 